This is episode 11 of the Sugar Mamas podcast, and today I get to speak with two lovely ladies who are very involved with JDRF. I get to speak with Brooks Biagini, who is the market director for Northern Florida. Also on this episode is a lady named Andrea Carlisle, who I would like to call a JDRF super volunteer. She does so many things to volunteer for JDRF and works extremely hard to inform the community and politicians about what research JDRF is funding and what clinical trials are going on in your area. I will let both of them introduce themselves in just a second, but first I want to give you just a brief summary of what we're going to talk about. We're going to discuss what JDRF is and what they do, some of the research studies that JDRF is currently funding, and what's going on in the world of type 1 diabetes diabetes research in general, what fundraising opportunities JDRF has going on right now, what resources JDRF offers to families who are wanting to connect with other type 1 families and events in the community, as well as what it means to be a JDRF advocate and how you can get involved. If you've always wanted to know a little bit more about the amazing things JDRF does, then this episode is for you. So stay tuned and sit tight, and I'll let Brooks and Andrea tell you all about it. Enjoy the show today. You're listening to the Sugar Mamas Podcast, a show designed for moms of type 1 diabetics. Here you'll find a community of like-minded women who are striving daily to keep their kids safe, happy, and healthy while navigating the ever-changing world of type 1. I'm your host and fellow T1D mom, Katie Roseborough. Welcome and enjoy the show. Before we get started, I need you to know that nothing you hear on the Sugar Mamas podcast should be considered medical advice. Please be safe, be smart, and always consult your physician before making changes to the way you manage type 1 diabetes. Thanks. All right, ladies, we are just going to jump right in to our conversation today. And I'd love it if first you would introduce yourselves, tell us what your roles are with JDRF. And if you have one, what is your connection to type one diabetes? Brooks, why don't we start with you? Sure. Good morning, Katie. And thank you for having us on your show today. My name is Brooks Biagini, and I serve as market director with JDRF Northern Florida, serving the Jacksonville, Gainesville, Tallahassee, Florida Panhandle, Tampa and Orlando communities and all the in-betweens. I joined JDRF 15 years ago on staff. Honestly, I hadn't heard of the organization when I got the call. At that time, I was with another organization, and I, I was really intrigued by JDRF's mission. I mean, it was to hear the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation, and my aunt has type 1 diabetes, so I was familiar with the disease. Um, she's had it now for 55 years and is doing well, but I was knowledgeable about the disease, but I had never heard of JDRF. And so I really wanted to learn more. I went in and met with board members and, and other staff and learned that JDRF's goal is really to improve lives and cure type 1 diabetes. And they do that by funding the most promising research available. And that is it. It was so, I was so impressed by the streamlined approach and efficiency that that really, it, it sold me. I was like, yes, I want to be part of this. I can be part of this. And uh, it's a mission I believe in. And, and from that time, of course, I've met a million families that have inspired me and continue to inspire me watching them go through all the seasons of living with type 1 diabetes. And, um, 
you know, it's really my job on the sidelines to be an advocate, a cheerleader, and to help go to bat for them, even when they're tired and managing the day-to-day disease. Working alongside JDRS, you know, I can serve as a resource to help the, the broad, big type 1 community to help have the support now they need and the promise of hope for a future for a life free of diabetes. Yes, we are all hoping for that. Well, we love what JDRF does. And I just think it's just such a wonderful organization. Andrea, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us what you do with JDRF and your connection to T1D? Sure. Good morning. So my name is Andrea Carlisle, and I have a few different roles, uh, volunteer roles with JDRF. Um, One being the advocacy team chair, so sort of leading districts one through six in, in Northern Florida to share JDRF's legislative priorities with members of Congress to advance the mission of JDRF. Um, Another role, volunteer role that I have is sort of a a piloting role right now where JDRF is trying to share clinical trial trials in our areas. And, And so we're trying to pilot a program to facilitate that. And then a research information volunteer, so really spreading the word about the research that JDRF is doing and the impact that it has. Um, And those all three sort of work together. Um, And I didn't realize that until I I stepped into those roles, but they all connect very well. And it's really been incredible to see the impact that JDRF has across so many different areas of the research pipeline and advocacy. But I got involved with JDRF actually through a JDRF walk many years ago after my son was diagnosed with type 1 at the age of three and uh, just sort of blossomed into being really involved with JDRF. And now also my brother, my older brother, was diagnosed with type 1 as an adult. So I sort of have seen the adult perspective and the parenting perspective of that. Oh, wow. So you have that family connection. Well, how long ago, how many years ago was your son diagnosed? It will be 10 years this summer. So um, he was three and he will be 13. Okay. Oh, and what a great resource for your, your brother too. I mean, you can share information, tips and tricks with him. And um, I mean, I guess he's an adult, so it's different. He's probably doing all of his own research and digging in, but I'm sure he was happy to have you to lean, lean back on and lean into. Yes. And he's been he actually works with the type one exchange. So he, uh, T1D exchange. So he is, is pretty involved in type one world also. So yes. Wow. So you mentioned you are a research information volunteer for JDRF, Andrea, and um, I'm really interested in the research that JDRF is doing. Could you tell us a little bit more about what a, a research information volunteer does, uh, how you share that information with the community? Sure. So call them RIVs, uh, research information volunteer, and and basically we we attend trainings and have discussions with research leaders around the country and internationally, actually. And they educate us with research updates. And sort of our job is to really share that, spread that message with the wider community so that stakeholders, that others can understand what JDRF is doing, where those dollars are being placed, and how the funding is happening. So it's really just important to, to keep that in front of everyone so they know what the progress is. Yeah, I would, I would absolutely love to know what research JDRF is doing right now, you know, what's ongoing, what's new. I don't, pardon my ignorance, I don't know if they're involved in in hundreds of research, you know, opportunities, if it's 10 or, you know, how how uh, focused do you get when it comes to funding research? Yeah. 
So they have hundreds of research grants, right? And that could span from just basic discovery research up through clinical trials. But, um, and Brooks, correct me if I'm wrong on this, right now, about 57 active clinical, human clinical trials, which are focused on curing type 1 and, and improving lives. So it's pretty, you know, things have happened with COVID and there have been delays and we're always searching for research participants, but the motivation and the momentum is still there. And again, like I mentioned earlier, we're one of the major barriers to accelerating research is trying to recruit participants. And so that's another sort of facet to this whole puzzle. Mm-hmm. I bet that's been tricky in the pandemic, I would imagine. Yes. So how does JDRF decide what efforts to support? So I, I think they have a vast portfolio. If you if you think of this as um, everything from prevention to curing to improving lives of people who already have type one, mm-hmm. um, so it's we really span this big portfolio, which I can talk about some of that a little bit more in depth. But the priority. Um, is that they're trying to prioritize research that has the highest likelihood of accelerating the delivery of these therapies. So something that we know we can get to everyone um, and that's going to have a greater impact for everyone. So really looking at prioritizing what has the highest likelihood of achieving that. Yeah. And I'll just add, there's, you know, something that I'm really excited about is in the space of improving lives and reducing the long-term burden of the disease. We know that when you can better control type 1 diabetes and keep the blood sugar uh, ranges in where they should be more often, it reduces the long-term complications. And so things like that JDRF, and Andrea does a great job. We're so grateful to have volunteers like Andrea soaking up and constantly learning about what's happening in the JDRF research, type 1 diabetes research period space to be able to, co- to communicate out. Because as a organ- nonprofit organization, like Andrea said, we really want, this is our tangible. This is how we are spending the dollars that people in the communities are raising with walks and galas and various fundraisers and things. These are the dollars at work. So what are they doing? A cool story that I think, uh, Katie, you and I talked about previously was for me, years ago, I can remember when the continuous glucose monitor was just an idea. It was at the time, if we could know what somebody's blood sugar range, blood sugar level is at any time of the day, parents could maybe sleep through the night. Children wouldn't have to be woken up as much. Blood sugar, you know, reducing those long-term complications because you're in range. You know, when, when a child goes to school, parents and teachers and caregivers can know that the child is safe, right? Safe at school. All of these dreams, these were dreams at one time. We know now that we have things like the Dexcom, which is a continuous glucose monitor. What is such a cool story that I love to tell people today is that JDRF was one of the beginning funders of this. I can remember a volunteer at the time putting down his own money. I think he laid down a million dollars to invest in this specific area of research. He said, I want a continuous glucose monitor. I believe in this. This was 15 years ago. Jeffrey Brewer was his name, amazing individual who invested his time as a volunteer and then later as our CEO and now is with Bigfoot Biomedical Group continuing to do great things in the type one space. Anyhow, fast forward now 15 years later, you know, at the time, I remember trials of various types of continuous glucose monitors, um, the Guardian, the Angel, things like that taking place even at Nemours in Jacksonville and stuff where people were participating in the trials. Well, you know, 
JDRF started the groundwork for this type of research that's now a tangible. Now, you know, companies, Dexcom, invested it, further invested it. They have a lot more money to do and a lot, you know, more space to set that up. FDA approves it. It's now in the hands and people, if you're diagnosed today with type one, it looks way different. And Andrea, I'm sure you can speak to this 10 years ago. It looks way different than it did 10 years ago. And that's a huge milestone due to the incredible research. So it's it's not a cure, certainly, but is it important? Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's so important. And, and you know, that was part of the, the initial phase of the closed loop artificial pancreas system too, is that, you know, Medtronic 670 was one version that came out and now you have a competitive marketplace where there'll be additional options, opportunities that come out from the research that JDRF has played a huge step in. And JDRF, I say, is an organization, but it's all the people. It's all the moms, dads, adults that have been living with this, people who have corporate sponsors, people who have invested is why we see these advances. And we still have a long way to go in some really exciting areas on the horizon as well. But that just helps paint a picture as well, I think, into what is the word research? What are some of the tangibles? What does it really look like? So hopefully that helps too. No, it does. I mean, for me, just speaking from the perspective of a of a mom of a, you know, fairly newly diagnosed kid, you know, research is sort of a, a like a nebulous term. It's like an ambiguous term of like, oh, you know, we're 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 funding research. Well, it's like, well, what? Gosh, I feel like there's eight million facets of of that, and I'm sure there are. But just knowing that there's people out there that are working every single day to, like you said, ease the burden of this disease for the type one diabetics and those caring for the diabetics. I mean, yes, we all want a cure. And I know that's part of your research too. But just in the meantime, because these things take lots and lots and lots of time, right? In the meantime, just having that decrease in the burden of management of care and the peace of mind to, like you said, be able to sleep through the night with the continuous glucose monitor. I mean, it's really just wonderful. Andrea, I cannot even imagine even just 10 years ago, I'm sure it was just so much more difficult. I mean, I guess you didn't, I guess you didn't know what you were missing, but at the same time, I'm sure there was a lot more anxiety involved with not knowing. Yes. Especially with the young, the younger children, it's when they can't communicate as much, it's very, Mm -hmm. it's scary. Um, one thing I was going to add on to what Brooke said, because this made me think about the real power that JDRF has is in fostering collaborations and facilitating collaborations. I think the greatest power they have is we know that research can't, we can't solve all these complex issues with type one, with one type of scientist, right? It's very multidisciplinary. Everything that they're working on is, is pulling together scientists from all sorts of disciplines, from transplant medicine, biomedical, endocrinology. And this made me think of yesterday, JDRF announced the launch of a new um, center for center of excellence um, in the New England area, which is a way that they're having numerous institutions collaborate and work towards one focus. And the focus of this new center of excellence, which will include the Harvard Stem Cell Institute, Joslin Diabetes Center, Dana-Farber, and a couple other institutions in the New England area, is their focus is going to be on the challenge of protecting those cells from immune attacks after transplantation. So pulling together all of these resources just to focus on this huge problem that is a big part of type 1 is how do we protect the beta cells from immune attack? And I think that's what JDRF does is is 
able to leverage all these relationships and these collaborations, which is really powerful. Mm, that's so interesting. If someone, you know, like a, a type one diabetic or, or a caregiver of one is interested in knowing more about, you know, the details of specific research efforts. Do you guys provide that information on the JDRF website? I mean, if we really wanted to dig into the nitty gritty of like, oh, I'm, I want to donate to JDRF. I wonder where my money's going. I wonder what they're doing. Do you provide a kind of a resource page? Absolutely. You can go to uh, jdrf.org backslash impact mm-hmm. and you can find some of the really full synopsis on where we are to date with research in different areas that Andrea mentioned, such as the improving lives, cure, prevention, all of that is JDRF org backslash impact. Okay. Yeah. Cause I'd love to read more about the center of excellence and then the um, study that's going on to protect the beta cells from immune attacks. Yeah. That's, that's really Katie. That is like such an exciting area. It's called beta cell encapsulation. And I definitely encourage people to check it out. It's really exciting. And if I can just in a nutshell, share with you, because I think your listeners would be really, this is another area that I believe is, I mean, I'm just so excited for this. It's not a biological cure, but it is, it's, it's pretty awesome. The idea is that you would implant something. So think of a, your pinky, mm-hmm. think of your pinky and a very thin like material, like a bandaid, but a small bandaid and inside that, like, so it's really thin and it's like, um, let's just describe it as like a mesh like material. And this is the issue that's at hand is what can, what kind of material is used to encapsulate. So you're going to take this little bandaid and you're going to inject some working beta cells into this. And then you're going to close it up. You're going to put it into the person's body, maybe in their butt, wherever, like under the skin somewhere, it's implanted, a surgical procedure that's implanted. And for a year to two years, the person that has type one that has that in their system is now producing insulin because they have working beta cells in their body, right? That's crazy. It's not a biological cure. It's mind blowing. But like, this is another area of, of investment that JDRF has invested in in the past like 10 years at a company called Biocyte that was out in San that is out in San Francisco, California. And now there's other companies. And the issue through all these real human clinical trials has been the material. Is it safe? What are the what are the repercussions to the other parts of our body by doing this? Um, we saw very promising outcomes from insulin producing, but there's been an issue and a concern with the material. So the the centers for excellence that Andrea just talked about, that's where they're going to hone in and really focus on getting this material safe. I mean, they were even worked with like NASA and all these amazing institutions to, to make sure it's safe because we know that, like Andrea said earlier, you know, we, JDR focuses on the most promising research that is likely to make it to people, right? We want to make, we want, we know it will work in rat, mouses and rats and everything else. Well, those are important for sure, but it's really exciting when we can start bringing it to the people. So it's called beta cell encapsulation. I totally encourage anyone to check it out. It's, that it's another area um, where cells are used. And so now the center of excellence that Andrea shared that was just announced yesterday is really exciting because there'll be such a, a confined group of people and experts working to get this right, then it can take us to our next step. So, you know, whether that's in seven years to 10 years, man, that's exciting for anybody at any stage of type one diabetes, as well as other autoimmune diseases. But Absolutely. Is that study being run in humans right now? Are they testing that in humans? It has been, um, right, Andrea, in San Francisco at one time a few years back. But um, I believe it, I'm not sure if it still is right now. They're trying to get the material right, and then they're going to continue it with 
humans. So I'm sure there it has been outside of the U.S. and in the U.S. Um, up until I know it was up until a couple years ago in San Francisco, but I don't know what the current status is. Hmm. So um, now I'm just curious about the yeah. research, but is right. it is the problem that um, and you you might not know, but um, is the problem that the immune attack is against whatever material is enclosing the beta cells, or is it against the actual beta cells? Like, you know, obviously the type one diabetics have the antibodies that would attack the beta cells anyway, or maybe it's a double attack. Maybe it's attack on the materials that's protecting it. And then an attack on the beta cells. Andrew, I'll let you take that one. So, so the idea is that that biomaterial is protecting those, those insulin producing cells from the attack. And so they're sort of encased or encapsulated and protected. So they're able to secrete insulin, but nothing's able to come in. That's the sort of the science behind it. I think what Brooks was saying is they're trying to getting the right biomaterials, ones that are sustainable, ones that are safe, efficacious, and, you know, and the body and what the body does to react to that particular material too. Another one that is really interesting and that, so that's, you know, putting other cells in the body, but another area is regenerating the cells that are are Mm -hmm. already there. And so, there's one study, um, a JDRF-funded trial, where they took uh, the drug verapamil, which is a blood pressure drug, so it already exists, and repurposed it to treat, to try and see if it would have any effect on people with type 1. And they found that it did, that people treated with verapamil needed less insulin and had better control than, than those who received the placebo. And so they're now using that at the different stages of diabetes, right? There's also a study, and I believe UF is doing it, with teplizumab and newly diagnosed patients to see if they can delay or halt the progression of type 1. So there's a, there's a lot being done with repurposing drugs, which is really exciting because there's not a lot of money to be made with that. And so it's really about the science and the focus is on the patient. But really interesting, you know, either you're putting these live cells in the body or you're trying to reprogram or regenerate the ones that are there and sort of wake them up. So there's a lot of exciting stuff in those areas with disease modifying therapies and cell therapies. That's amazing. I will definitely put a link in the show notes to the to several things, but the JDRF website and then a, a separate link to the um, JDRF impact page that you mentioned. So people can kind of really, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of like narrow narrow down the research that they're interested in learning more about. So Brooks, what fundraising opportunities does JDRF have going on right now? Um, I mean, I know, I know we can always get on the website and donate and we should, um, but if we want to get a little bit more involved than that, what opportunities are there? Yes. So right now it's spring and the state of Florida, everything looks different than normal, of course, but Mm -hmm. we have the JDRF1 walk going on right now. Now through uh, May 23rd is when we'll culminate the celebratory weekend. Um, This year, we're not coming together at at locations such as, you know, we usually come together at a big place like in Jacksonville, it's UNF at the University of North Florida. We have 5,000 people who all really are there for a day to celebrate all the hard work and fundraising that's led up to that day um, with, you know, all kinds of fun things happening for families. This year, we're doing it your walk, your way. And what does that mean? It means that we, you know, we know that the show must go on, even in the face of COVID. Um, It's too much of a promising time for all this research and for our mission to accelerate. So, you know, we don't receive government funding. Um, We are fully grassroots. So the dollars that JDRF is able to invest into our mission 
comes from people participating in our local fundraisers. So right now, Katie, it's time for the JDRF One Walk. People can learn more and register at walk.jdrf.org. And you can find this uh, location closest to you. Um, Jacksonville and Tallahassee sites have combined this year, as well as Tampa and Orlando and really the whole state of Florida we're all going to be coming together on this Sunday, May 23rd. Um, you can make your own plans um, on how you want to actually walk. If you want to get out in your community and walk with some friends on your street or with your colleagues, maybe you want to walk the bridges. I mean, you could have a barbecue, whatever feels safe in the face of COVID that we're living now. And it, but we still know we it's important for the fundraising to continue. So by registering to participate in the walk, um, you have access to an online website that's called the Walk Portal, and you will be able to share emails, you will be able to post to social media like Facebook and LinkedIn, et cetera, and, uh, and, and share your story of why you're walking and invite others to contribute. And when they contribute, it help you you have a thermometer that goes up and you're you rate you're helping to be part of the solution. So it's a really important opportunity. It's something that I'm personally excited about, although it's really hard to get everybody else excited about and during the face of everybody's got Zoom fatigue and you know, try not to say the word virtual, but you know, I can't wait for the time when we can come back together in person. But for now, we're trying to make it the best experience that we can for everybody. It's kind of your walk your way, but we'll, we're here to help coach you along and give you ideas and uh, connect you, anybody interested with others that are other families participating in areas throughout Florida. Wonderful. Yeah. And if people aren't in Florida, there's um, there's different chapters of JDRF all, all over the world, really. Yes. But they can just get online and because not everybody's walking on May 23rd, correct? Like different states, different cities are walking on different days. That's right. So if, if there's a spring uh, walk, so like our friends in um, in Texas and some of our friends in Louisiana, and, and they if you traditionally have a spring walk with JDRF, we are doing one day this year, May 23rd. So if you're in markets like New York and others that have galas in the, in the spring, then uh, your chapter might have a local, your chapter of JDRF might have a, a gala locally that's gone virtual for the spring. But in the fall, we are making plans uh, to hopefully come back together in person, a lot lower capacity and things like that. But, you know, so that's just some of the ways. And if any, if somebody's out there and they're like, well, I don't really want to do a walk. I want to, I want to do a rock concert or I want to do some uh, lemonade stand, something fun. JDRF also has a unique tool called JDRF your way and you can just google it and type in jdrf your way and it's kind of a do-it-yourself fundraiser so you can set your own fundraiser to raise money as well so if you are interested in helping and you need some direction i mean feel free to call me i will help coach you through that anytime (laughs) yeah no definitely and i mean obviously that's to people's own comfort level i mean people might not feel comfortable walking with anybody or maybe just the people in your household but that's fine anybody can still support you even if you're only walking by yourself or with a small group. So you can stay safe and still participate. But yes, I definitely look forward to the day when we can throw all of this out the window and have big gatherings again. That'll be lovely. I think we're all looking forward to that. Yes. So a little bit off topic, but I've been hearing a lot of people talk about being a JDRF advocate, whether it's them or their children. How? What is that? And if you want to become a JDRF advocate, how do you get involved with that? 
JDRF Advocates, is, it's, it's a program where you can put in as little or as much as you want. But the idea is that we're helping in a grassroots way build support for type 1 diabetes research through federal funding. So we're really trying to advocate to our members of Congress to increase and maintain federal funding for type 1 diabetes research. And as far as what the advocate's role would be is a lot of times our team in D.C. will send out email alerts for taking action on a specific issue or advocating for, like we just had happen, uh, the renewal of the special diabetes program funding, which we renewed for three years, which is amazing. Um, And that's largely in part to having these grassroots networks around the country, um, sending email alerts when prompted and sharing their story and telling members of Congress what type one is and what JDRF does and how can we solve these issues and lower healthcare costs and how this will benefit everyone in the long run. So it could be something as simple as just responding to an email alert, or you can also join in meetings with members of Congress. This year we've been Zooming with them, but in the past we have had face-to-face at their congressional offices, um, either in district or in Washington, D.C., and sharing with them our personal stories and the research that they would be supporting if they renew that that federal funding. So it, it's really just, you know, you can put in as much as you want, but to have the grassroots networks activated is really powerful. Takes it down to a much more personal level, I would imagine. Yes. And so if you, if you would like to join, uh, we direct everyone to jdrf.org slash join. Mm-hmm. And it's a quick little sign up and then you're in our advocacy portal and we can send you alerts and things like that. That sounds easy enough. I've, you know, specifically, I have a a friend whose daughter is a JDRF advocate. She's nine. So for a younger child, what would it look like to be a JDRF advocate? So we we definitely love when a family can come to a congressional meeting because it really, usually when I'm trying to recruit people to come, I, I really would like a young child and an adult to sort of share all the the perspectives of this disease and how it affects the family. It's not just um, the person. And so um, a child could be involved by attending a meeting. We also have um, a wonderful program called Children's Congress, where a student, a child applies for going to Children's Congress. And if they're selected, they travel to Washington, D.C. and enjoy an amazing week of of learning and networking, and then finally meeting with uh, members of Congress um, from Florida. What's the eight? How old do you have to be to be a part of that? Brooks, do you remember seven? Oh no, it's it's younger. It's like three, three to seventeen. I want to say four to seventeen. You go, girl. Yes, four to seventeen. That's awesome. Yes. Hmm. Okay. And you can learn about you can learn about that if you go to cc.jdrf.org. Okay. Wow, that's amazing to be able to travel with your child, even as young as four, to Washington D.C. and just not only for them and you to be involved in the Type One community in that way, but in such a close kind of I don't want to say in your face, but to be involved in the Type One community in such a um, up close and personal way, and then also just to be in Washington D.C. I mean, our nation's capital and um, learning how the whole congressional system works and what it really means to be an advocate. What a great opportunity. That's amazing. Yes. My, my son went in 2017 and I, I've always said to him, I said, this will be your, the best social studies lesson that you will ever have <laughs> because it was so, it was such an amazing experience. So. Wow. Uh, he had a great time, I'm sure. Yes. 
Yeah. So I highly encourage people who are children who are looking towards that, that they remain involved and try to attend local advocacy meetings whenever possible. It's really helpful. So in light of the pandemic, you know, we're all tired of talking about it, but it's here. (laughs) So we can't ignore it. But for families looking to connect in, you know, right now, while we're still kind of social distancing and being safe, what opportunities are there in light of the pandemic? Because I will say that for me personally, my daughter being diagnosed, you know, just about six months ago now, that's been a real challenge, you know, because normally I'd be like, hey, let's sign you up for summer camp and let's, you know, let's go to this meeting with JDRF and um, this support group, but that doesn't exist right now. So in light of all that, I'm sure there's still ways to get involved and get connected with other type one families. What what are those ways? Yeah. So it's definitely not as great. I mean, we, it's something I miss a lot is connecting in person with all the families as well. Um, but JDRF chapter to chapter, it varies. But in Northern Florida, we are hosting uh, monthly Cups of Hope. It's a virtual um, meetup. I'm not going to use the word support group because people, it doesn't sound as fun, but it's uh, on a Zoom setting and it's led by a wonderful volunteer named Rose. And there's people of all ages, all stages that come together. Um, there's also a teen type one that's new that just started um, that's going to be held um, monthly. Um, you can find out information on those, um, the JDRF. Northern Florida Facebook pages. And I would encourage every JDRF chapter has different offerings, but they're very similar. There's there's typically right now some sort of Zoom meetup happening. And then uh, you, the other thing I would suggest is if you're new, newer diagnosed, like your family, and you do have the interest to meet up with another family in person with safe protocols, whatever, everybody's comfort level is different, right? But mm-hmm. if, if you're wanting a day at the park to meet another family and, you know, mask on, whatever you want to do. JDRF is a resource. We can put you in touch with another family and and let you guys take it from there. We can pair, we usually pair families up by age and by geography of where they're located. Um, we do have an amazing group of trained outreach volunteers that serve as mentors to newer diagnosed families. Mm-hmm. And these are people who are not doctors. They don't give medical advice, but they're there. They do they are more expert-ish of, uh, in the type one, have having lived through it themselves and being trained on resources that are available. So, you know, I would say that there, although there's no big setting official group, the, the opportunities to still connect, whether you're, it's, if you're looking for a virtual something to connect, JDRF is usually hosting something like that. But if you want to do in person and you're just really over the virtual stuff right now and you want to connect, even if it's with one or two families, mm-hmm. you know, we can we can tee you up to to have those conversations and make those unique plans with others of you know, to each their own. But there's certainly value in person. We know that we're going to grocery stores and, you know, other places. And I went to Disney this weekend. I had a mask on and I was safe and everything like that. But everybody's different as their comfort level. So there's not one size fits all. But I would say that if you're yearning to have that in-person connection with another family, mm-hmm. chances are we can help set you up with uh, another somebody to meet. Um, and that goes for any JDRF chapter. So I would encourage that. As far as camps and stuff, you're right. We're, we're totally going to be missing um, sending our loved ones off to camp this year. Um, you know, usually the American Diabetes Association hosts a day camp in various communities. And uh, it's a great experience. It's usually a four-day day camp so that, you know, for many families, it's their one time of the year where 
they have diabetes caregivers uh, that volunteer their time to help facilitate that. And uh, this year, I don't know what plans are, if any, um, I haven't heard. Uh, I, another one I would recommend is uh, Friends for Life Conference, typically held in Orlando in the summer, uh, in July. And it's an amazing convention of families from across the world that come together for a uh, four or five day period. And it's awesome. When we're back up to normal, I would totally encourage any families out there, especially it's in our backyard in Florida, it's in Orlando, but people travel from all over to come to it and they meet other, they have breakout sessions for children, breakout sessions for teens, breakout sessions for parents, all around different topics, mental health, you know, stress, hormones, teenage years, exercise, carb counting, nutrition, the list goes on. It's Friends for Life. It's an awesome conference. JDR is typically a part of it by uh, serving as a sponsor and a vendor, I believe. But um, it is such a great group. I would They have their own website you can visit to learn more. But they did do something virtually last year. And I'm betting that they are planning to do something virtually this year. Again, it's not the same experience. But there is opportunity to connect with others in this weird world that we're in. Yeah. No, I'm very interested in going to that conference. I'm selfishly sort of glad that it's virtual this year because I'm actually going to be out of town that week. I was like, darn it, I'm not going to be able to go to that conference. But I figured it would probably be virtual this year anyway. So I could still tune in from wherever I am. Absolutely. And it's a great one. One other something like that, that's not necessarily a camp um, or whatnot, but I would totally recommend it is on, it's the JDRF Type 1 Nation Summit. And this year, um, again, because it's virtual, anybody can join. It's on Saturday, April 24th. So that's coming up in the spring. And that is a, a another conference idea. It's a, you know, we have a keynote speaker, we have there's breakout sessions you can select from to go to. I just posted on our Facebook page last night, you can actually go and replay and experience the fall. We had one in the fall as well. Hmm. And so you can take advantage of that now. But that's a great place for people at at any stage of living with disease to to learn more. Um, if you want to join the live session April 24th, then you will be able to meet others as well and, and things like that. But it's a great conference for um, learning about type 1 diabetes and the various components based on topic of interest. Wonderful. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on today and, and talking with me. Um, before we sign off, is there anything else that you would like to share or mention anything that you're just dy- dying to to tell us about that we didn't get a chance to talk about? I would just say I I always wanted to say thank you, thank you so much, you know, Katie, for having us on today to reach this group. You know, the type one diabetes community is resilient. Um, you guys are mama bears, rock stars. Um, is a family affair. Mm-hmm. Um, people who have been newly diagnosed, I would want to say that you're not alone. Reach out if you would like to connect with others and for any resources. You know, certainly JDRF is very lean at this time because, you know, over the past year, we've we've actually let 50% of our staff go. We've closed our brick and mortar offices, but it was the right thing to do. Uh, it was the things that would help ensure that with the decrease in fundraising dollars incoming, that we're able to still put those the maximum amount of those dollars toward our mission. And so um, we we need you and you need us and let's work together. And I just want to always say thank you to this amazing group of passionate, passionate families that live with type 1 diabetes that still find it in their heart to 
press on and make a difference for, for your own and for future generations through supporting initiatives, including JDRF. And just you guys are rock stars and uh, I applaud you and uh, we're here for you however we can be. And, and I'll pass it to Andrea for anything else she might want to say. Thank you. Sure. Yes. I, I would love to echo what Brooke said. And also just, um, you know, type one, being a parent of a child with type one can feel very isolating at all times. Even after 10 years, there are times where I sit here and go, oh, man, no one else has to do this. Uh, no one else is thinking about this 24 hours a day. Um, it feels isolating sometimes. And I, I love what you're doing, Katie, by sort of branching out and letting others know they're not alone because it really is, I think, helpful for parents, especially, and for people and adults with type one. Yeah. So thank you guys you. are so welcome. Thank you so much for those kind words. I really appreciate it. And of course, I appreciate you as well. I mean, you guys are what's making a difference in our lives and making our lives easier. We would have. We never would have chosen this disease, and I know I would trade places with my daughter in a heartbeat, but I um, I just thank you for all the hard work you do to fund the research that's making our lives easier and working towards a cure. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Appreciate it. Bye. Well, once again, we have come to the end of our show. I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you got a lot out of it. And I hope you have a new appreciation for what JDRF is doing to make our lives easier as caregivers of type 1 diabetics. And of course, to make the lives of type 1 diabetics easier too. This disease, as you know, can be so overwhelming and at times so isolating. And I'm grateful for organizations like JDRF that are working so hard to take some of those difficulties away and, of course, to find a cure. If that sparked your interest and you would like to get involved with JDRF, maybe you want to take part in the One Walk, which is coming up, or maybe you're interested in becoming a JDRF advocate. I will put a link to all of that in the show notes. The JDRF homepage, the JDRF One Walk, the do-it-yourself fundraiser option, the advocacy program, and of course the JDRF Impact page where you can find out more specifics about the research that they are funding. Check them out, support them, be a part, find ways to get involved and to give back. I hope you guys have a fabulous week, as always. I never hope that you have a horrible week, but I hope your week goes smoothly. I hope the technology cooperates. We did not have a day of cooperative technology in my home, but I'm going to try to forget about that and look positively towards the future. Not every day is going to be perfect, right? But I sincerely hope that yours was, or at least was close to perfect. Thanks so much for listening. I'll talk with you soon. Bye.